0: Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, ParastylePodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Paristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham.
1: Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is April 1st, 2009, and it is our 59th episode of the Peristyle Podcast. If you don't know what the Peristyle Podcast is, it's our weekly internet radio show talking all about the USC Trojans. You can find us on peristylepodcast.com or, of course, uscfootball.com. We have a really good show for you this week. We're going to have our uscfootball.com staff roundtable coming up a little bit later on in the show, talking all about spring football and our brand new uscfootball.com quarterback ratings, which uh, a lot of people are talking about on the message boards. But first, of course, we always have the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, how are you doing today?
2: Hey, Ryan. Uh, it's great to be aboard. Uh, good to be in the huddle with you, and uh Time to talk USC football, which I'm looking
1: forward to. Certainly, certainly. And if anyone has questions out there, we'll have a few to answer for you today. But you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or if you want, uh, you can email actually even a uh, audio question like a .wave or .mp3 format. Or if you want to Skype us, you can leave us a voicemail. Our Skype name is ryan.abraham on Skype. So you can do that as well. We'll try to get to all the questions. And I just want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets sctickets.com is the website, 1-800-888-7287. That is the phone number if you need tickets for anything, concerts, sporting events, theater, the Dodgers are coming up, angels, stuff like that. Give them a call over there at sctickets.com.
2: You know, one thing I want to say, Ryan, before you get started with questions and so on, Uh, out at uh, Spring Practice on Saturday, I just want to thank all the people that were uh, so pleasant I mean, coming up and talking to us, uh, both of us or all of your staff, uh, saying how much they enjoy uh, uh, uscfootball.com. I had a chance to meet a gentleman named Guy who was so complimentary, and I want to thank Guy for all of his comments and Ron and these people that were out there. And, you know, uh, that's why we're here, to try to just give people our opinion of what we see. Uh, they can agree or disagree. And then I heard so many comments, too, about the dog barking in the background. And we all sit- <laughs> They all said, Coach, tell us the name of the dog. Well, there it is. You see that? (laughs) She's in the background, and her name is Cece. And, uh, you know, she wasn't uh, prepared today for this show, but she didn't get to go down to spring practice. Mm -hmm. Normally she's passing on all the, you know, word to all the people's dogs that listen to USCfootball.com. And today she's not too prepared, so she's a little embarrassed, okay?
1: (laughs) That's okay, Coach. Yeah, it was really fun being down there, though. First day of spring ball. There was a lot of people on the sidelines. I mean, it was really packed. And coach was nice enough to kind of hold court down there. A lot of people came up to him and talked about the podcast and what he does on the USC radio network and stuff. So it was good to see, you, coach. I'm glad everyone's out there. Uh, you know, in your corner there.
2: Well, it's not that. It's just great to see people out there supporting, excited about USC football and the, and everything that's going on. It was great. It was a coming out. It really was. And as you mentioned last week. When we talked about spring practice, I I said the first day is the greatest day. But everybody's fired up, not only the players, but the coaches and the fans. Uh, They gather out there. They haven't seen each other for a long period of time since the last tailgate or whatever or game. And it's just great to see everybody and walk around and evaluate the players and just be a part of it. And I think that's what... What is so great about USC football is everyone feels a part of it. Some people stand at the gate, and when the players come through the gate, gate, they shake their hands and say, hi, good luck this year. I mean, it's an atmosphere that's really different than any university I've ever been around. It it is a complete different atmosphere where people are so close to the players and people and the coaches uh, at USC.
1: Now, Coach, as a former coach, would that make you feel uncomfortable that you're, I mean, Pete Carroll obviously has no issues with his players being, you know, surrounded by fans, uh, people want autographs and, and a lot of media and, you know, they're the players are very, very accessible, probably more accessible than anywhere else in the country or just as accessible. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity for players to kind of, you know, say the wrong thing, but Pete Carroll seems to feel really comfortable that whatever lessons they're teaching them behind closed doors, they feel, they feel good about it.
2: Know they feel real comfortable about it, and I'll tell you, and I'll explain this to you. When you have people at your practice, it really gets your kids spirited, and they really like that. And they practice, and I saw some of the players run over and hug their moms, and their mother- moms getting excited, saying, "That's my son! That's my son!" And it really gets everyone excited to be that close and see the people. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. Jeremy Bates, the new uh, play caller and quarterback coach from USC. Brian Snyder, the new uh, of course, special teams coach at, at USC. They have never seen anything like that. Believe me, uh, at UCLA, nothing against UCLA, but they never—they don't have that many people at their spring game. <laughs> and no, really, you know, and and they have in the Rose Bowl. And and you and you see uh, Jeremy Bates, who's been in the NFL and and Denver and so on. They don't have that many people come to practice. First of all, most of their practices are closed except for camp and so on. I, he was afraid to look over at the people, but he was distracted even with the enthusiasm of the people and, and the police and security walking by and saying, please stay behind the, the yellow line, please stay behind the yellow line, and, and so on. I think that even excites the coaches. Now, Franklin, the defensive line coach, he'd been there before, so he's seen it. But it's a great, great feeling of enthusiasm to see all of that. And if people haven't been out there USC practice, then I suggest you get out there because it is something special it really is
1: and i think these are 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 worth going to um sometimes in the fall especially when when the games are going on not as many people come out the practices are more i don't want to say more business-like but they're they're definitely kind of to the point there's a, a real reason to be out there boom this is what we're going over today let's get out there get it done hour and a half hour 45 minutes whatever for spring i mean there's a there's a plan in place but it's a little more open and there's a lot more time i think i mean the the practice go the practices go longer there's more opportunities for like autographs and stuff afterwards and you know there's a lot of people out there checking it out so if if you haven't been out to one just go to howard jones field i mean it's free just walk in there i think there's only one practice that's closed we do have a a full schedule up on spring ball central on uscfootball.com it's like a it's a good page coach you gotta check it out it's like all the links to all of our stories from spring football we'll keep updating that you know, every couple of days as we go through the spring. But there's a schedule on there that shows you when all the practices are. I think there's only, I forget which day, maybe April 11th or something. There's only one closed date. So if you haven't been out there, your coach is right. I mean, you got to check it out. It's, it's a really good opportunity to kind of see these guys up close. You can meet some of your favorite players. Just say hi if you want an autograph. You can do all that kind of stuff. And then it kind of gives you an extra rooting interest in the, in the fall when you actually see them on the field.
2: And, you know, in the spring, it, it's more casual, too. Let me mention this. Because... You're not game planning. You're not trying to beat an opponent. You're trying to get better, improve your skills, uh, introduce new players to the system, introduce new coaches to the system, and so on. That was a learning day for everyone Saturday. Coaches, players, fans, being acquainted with new players and so on. And, and, you know, one thing I want to mention is, is the past players of USC are absolutely celebrities, I mean, I don't know how many people out there recognize some of the past players, but they have to come in disguise. And, Ryan, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but Ray Malaluga, he was at practice, and it was about 85 degrees out there. But he had a sweatshirt on with a hood, <laughs> and he had the hood up over his head where you fairly could see his face. I don't know. Did you notice that? Yeah,
1: I, I saw where? him out there. There was guys. I mean, some older guys, like uh, Malipo McKenzie was there, if people remember him. Matt Leinart was out there. Shiloh Rochelle and uh, it, there's a lot of former players out there and you have some of the guys that are I mean there's guys around now USC like the, the seniors because you know today Wednesday is actually the USC pro day um, so we'll have we'll try to get you something we might do a supplemental podcast later in the week with some stuff from pro day but we'll have lots of information on that but yeah a lot of the former players especially now with pro day being today they were on campus, so they come out and they want to watch what's going on out there. And, you know, some of the guys like Ray, who are high profile, they do try to hide themselves. He was out there yesterday, coach, on Tuesday, wearing a Cleveland Browns like ski cap kind of thing. So and it was warm as well.
2: Right, it is. And I tell you, just that, you know, not that they don't want to be friendly with the fans and so on, but they're there to watch practice. And they just say, you know, uh, I just want to be like you. I just want to walk around and see what I can see. And my friends who know who I am, I'll say hi to. So it's a little bit of, you know, but not Clay Matthews. You see Clay Matthews, he's right on the field. He's right on the field running around, throwing balls, having fun. So there's different, you know, different strokes for different people and so on. But it was a great, great Saturday, a great opening day of spring practice. And now they get down to the days where they start to hate each other and they hate practice and so on because they start hitting each other and it goes on and on and on without really, you know, getting to hit another color. So, spring practice is fun the first day, and after that, it's all work.
1: Yeah, the, um, and Thursday will be the first day they put on pads, coach. They'll put shoulder pads on, and I think then they'll have practice Friday and Sunday. I believe Sunday will be the first day of full pads, but I haven't got confirmation on that yet. But you were out there that very first exciting day. Is there any, uh, what were your kind of initial thoughts on what was going on down there?
2: Well, you know, I got, I've got to be honest, I couldn't get around to all the groups, but uh, looking at the offensive line, I was certainly impressed with, number one, the depth. They have great depth at the offensive line. And and that is really a great, great feeling to know that if someone should go down, uh, you've got someone to replace them and so on. And I see a lot of improvement on the offensive line. They they look bigger. They look stronger. They're just as quick. Uh, uh, Their speed of core was good and so on. And they're all returning. They've all played together before and so on. So I, I really like that, and I like the young players and, and what they look like and so on. So the offensive line, I think, is really intact. I really like that. I was really impressed, too, with the receivers and the talent of the receivers and the way how fluid they were and smooth they were and catching the football and so on. I I really like, you know, I don't have to tell you about Williams and Johnson. They're, they're going to be great players, but Shoemate really is going to be a great uh, fullback or whatever you want to call him in their system. He's smooth where's number 10, he, he really gives you the pass uh, receiver and the uh, and the running ability of a, he's just a great athlete. I think that's the best way to put it. I was also so impressed with Asbury. I mean, how big he is. I mean, he's 6'4", 235 pounds, and he is really big. Had a chance to watch him come over and meet his family and so on. I mean, he could be a tight end. He could be a great uh, uh, in the old days, we, we used to call him like a, a wide guy to off the line of scrimmage or a flex end or so on because he could be receiver and a blocker. So he could really bring a lot to the offense. So he's he's a good-looking kid. I watch the quarterbacks a lot, and uh, I think the quarterback that throws the hardest is Matt Barkley. I think he throws the hardest football. I think Corp really throws a beautiful ball. And I think that his ball is a catchable ball, too. But the nose is down just a little bit. But he really does throw a nice ball. Mustaine's ball flutters just a little bit. If you if you go out to practice, you'll watch that. doesn't have quite the touch on it as far as the power that these other two have. But he has the experience that the others do have. John Mnougin, who is a walk-on quarterback, has blisters on his hands because he catches in most of the drills. John and the other walk-on quarterback, I think it's McCaffrey, they catch all the balls during the drills of the quarterbacks. And I, and I want you to know, Jeremy Bates drills these guys through the techniques before practice and during practice, during the technique period of these quarterbacks, more than I've ever seen before at USC. Now, I'm not sliding the other coaches that have coached there, but there is a definite period of time that there is techniques being taught, and he is coaching the techniques with these quarterbacks and I really liked that to see that closeness and the talking and he walked up and down uh in the stretch lines talking to each one of them and so in and creating a relationship uh, with the players that he's going to coach and that's really really important and I love also the way the coaches in uh, stretching yell back at each other Norton, of course, yells debates how bad they're going to beat him up <laughs> and, and all of that. And that's new to Jeremy. You know, Jeremy's a young guy, and, 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 and Norton comes to play every practice, you know. And uh, he, he's ready to play. So, you know, they're trying to break in the rookie, as they say, the rookie coaches and so on, to, to USC football. Uh, you know, uh, McCoy wasn't out there, uh, so I didn't have a chance to see McCoy uh tight ends i think will be an outstanding uh position for them this year but they've got some great players back and uh, there shouldn't be any problem there uh didn't see mcknight mcknight was there but didn't practice but the running backs i was so impressed with the, the quality and and the size they've gotten bigger gable looks a little bit bigger to me actually he looks bigger when you stand right next to him than what you might think he is stefan johnson uh you great uh i tell you, the, the guy I told you who was going to be the rookie of the year, Mark Tyler, I thought looked fantastic. Curtis McNeil is really quick and so on. I, I really like him. So And, and I, if I missed one here, I'm just going by my memory. Uh, I, I think there are, uh, that's really a great position. So when you look at everything, and you look at the offensive side of the football, you've got to look at
3: the athletes.
2: You've got great athletes. Now you have to develop these athletes and you have to forecast how they can get better and better and better, and who's going to be that third receiver, who's going to be the number one quarterback. And, you know, when I, when I hear Jeremy Bates talk, he would like to have the starting quarterback named before the fall camp. Now, this is something they really haven't done that much of in the past, but I think there's an advantage to it and there's a disadvantage to that. First of all, if you name the starting quarterback, then the other two quarterbacks don't work quite as hard or they feel a little depressed or so on during the summer months. And they might not proceed or get as good as the guy you name. So sometimes it's better to name him in the fall so you come back to fall camp with the same enthusiasm. Unless there's such a difference, like Sanchez or whatever, such a difference between the first and the second and the third and the fourth and so on, then there's no reason to put it off because everybody knows, even the team knows, who the best quarterback is, and it's time to make that statement and get started. So, on the offensive side of the football, that's what I was uh, what I saw the most of. All
1: right, Coach Evans, a lot of good points there. I think uh, a couple follow-ups. One, I think on the offensive line, it's going to be even more. There'll be even more depth there once Chris O'Dowd comes back, because you have Jeff Byers playing uh, center right now. But it, I think it gives a you know Coach Rule a chance to move guys around. Coach Pat Rule, the offensive line coach. You know, they're playing different guys at tackle. You can see a lot of Tyron Smith who they love. You can see Martin Coleman get in there. So I think it, it's given them an opportunity to move some guys around and they'll you know, it'll be even more solid when it comes back and uh, you know, when O'Dowd comes back. And I knew you would like I mean, watching the, the quarterback drills, and we put up a lot of video of these early drills in practice. We're only allowed to video like the first twenty minutes or so. But the quarterbacks actually do a lot of drills during that period. So we can put that kind of video up and we put up Highlights of Mustaine and Corp and, uh, and Matt Barkley, all of them. And I thought you would like that, Coach, because I know that was one thing that you wanted to see a little bit more of, where they're actually kind of coaching techniques, as a you know being a quarterback coach. And having Bates, who is a dedicated quarterback coach, it seems that they're they're doing a lot more of that now.
2: Yeah, they are. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because I wasn't going to bring that up. But in the past, I've been sort of negative on that as far as uh, with the coaching technique part of the – quarterback position and and now i saw that and it was great seeing that and and uh, ironing out the flaws and and videoing the drops and so on and having a coach watch every single quarterback i think that's so important rather than just sitting and having them warm up and reading a clipboard or or whatever i think it's really important and i think These quarterbacks will pay attention to Jeremy Bates because he's a guy that's coached the quarterbacks and he's coaching the pros and he knows what he's talking about. So their intent and they really do have a quarterback coach. It isn't a GA or somebody that they put there to coach quarterbacks. You can't have that. And now these guys will get better daily because they have someone evaluating them every day, coaching them every day, saying more in a meeting than, Hey, we got to have a good day of practice going through and, and explaining what the roles are and reads are and, and the thing i like the best too is the elimination of a lot of terms that are that don't mean anything and it makes the play calling longer and it sounds more confusing and if you listen to the quarterbacks talk they're saying hey our play calling is a lot easier and, and we we have eliminated a lot of words that really we didn't need in our play calling and and, and in the in the NFL they have a lot of terms that in college you really don't need. You can change it by just by series and so on. So I like that because if you remember, there were so many delay-a-game penalties with USC in the past, and sometimes the play wasn't clear. I remember sometimes Matt Leinart used to wave off the call and call the play himself because the time clock was running down. I mean, I remember times that they had a delay-a-game after a timeout. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I mean, you know, I mean, that's that's serious stuff. So I think it's going to be a lot smoother, and I'm really anxious to see exactly what he's added to the offense because I've always talked about having screens and different types of draws and and things to open up the offense. And if Corp's the guy, just if he runs the ball just a little bit, what stress that puts on the corners with options and so on. So who knows what's going to happen with the offense. And looking at the special teams – I was impressed to see the kids being coached in special teams by one coach. Now, they haven't had that in the past. Here's a guy that had cones on the field, teaching them their lanes, teaching them how to catch a ball on a punt return, three steps back and go, and and all of these type of things that I've never heard before out there. Not to say that they didn't do it right. Maybe they did it when I wasn't there. But they were actually, when they had punt catching punts and doing their – there was a guy standing there right next to him talking about, you know, the positioning of catching a ball, where your arms and elbows should be, how you go forward with your step and so on after you catch the punt, keep your eyes on the ball, We we'll look at the nose of the ball, the spin of the ball. I mean, all of those things that that I think is refreshing to hear as a coach.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Coach. And uh, I wanted to get to a couple of questions. Let's try to get to them real quick. I have to run down to the USC Pro Day. Before I get the podcast, I mean, after I get well, the podcast. Well, we'll get defense
2: next week then. We can
1: do some defense next week. Uh, real quick, Coach, um, one of the questions Terry and Day came in, he usually, he likes to send us questions. He wanted to know what happens. I don't know. Hopefully you'll be able to help with this. If you have a, a, a kid who's a Mormon on the team and he goes on a two-year mission, what happens to that scholarship when he's gone on that two-year mission?
2: You know, that is a good question. I, I think, now I just this is, of course, a, a guess. I think they can reuse that scholarship because that's one of the 85 scholarships that they have. And when he comes back, they have to save a scholarship or make available a scholarship again for that individual because there's no guarantee that that player will come back and play. So, you know, you just can't lose it or not use it or save it. So when he leaves to go on a Mormon mission, then you can use that or or give it to someone else. But if he comes back and goes back on scholarship, then you got to use that as one of your numbers, which means you might give one less scholarship that year because you know, this young man is coming back from his mission. Yeah, that's, I think that's the way it works.
1: Yeah. That's the impression I was under. I just wanted to see if you had any experience with that. I didn't know if you had any LDS I didn't guys. have
2: any experience with that.
1: Oh, okay. Um, and then one other one, this is, I could probably help answering this one too with uh, uh, Jack from New Jersey. Wanted to know how Stanley Haveli was doing. He was a little disappointed that he wasn't in the Rose Bowl and he wanted to make sure he was still focused on, uh, you know, athletics and academics both together. I don't, did you get the chance to talk to him on Saturday, Coach? No,
2: I didn't get a chance to uh, talk to him, but he was out there and he just adds to the list of other great athletes that are out there. You know, there's one thing at USC; they're very serious. And people might say, "I'm just saying this." I'm not. They're very serious about the academics at USC. Mike Garrett, the athletic director at USC, will not tolerate any nonsense. If you have to go to Mike Garrett's office, because of academics, you are in what you call deep trouble. He will tell you, you start doing what you're supposed to do, and you pack your bags, and you'll be gone. And I, and I think Stanley Havili learned a lot from this. And if it happens a second time, he won't be there. Because of this reason, guys. Not only does he let himself down, he's letting the team down. When you have a player that you depend on and takes you through the season, or at any time during the season, he might be declared ineligible or not be coming back the next year or so on. So there's no nonsense about this. Kids have got to be serious. Coaches have got to be serious. They have every type of tutoring and academic counseling that you could have, more than any student at USC. And not to take advantage of that is absolutely ridiculous. So I want you to know, it starts at Pete Carroll, of course, with the football program and their academic support staff, but I'm telling you, Mike Garrett, number one, the athletic director at USC, will not tolerate a kid who is not attempting to pass academically or not going to class. That kid will not be back. So that kid's probably on probation. He's a great player, but I tell you, he's not going to miss a class or he won't be there next (laughs) year.
1: Yeah, we got to talk to him. We have a video update on uscfootball.com from I think about a week ago or so, and he was definitely, I mean, he was obviously disappointed. That he didn't get to play, and uh, you know I, he's one of my favorite kids on the team. So I think he's gonna, he's got things turned around. So it shouldn't be a problem. But Jack, thanks for the question. Terian, thanks for the question as well. Coach, unfortunately, we got to let you go. I got to run down to pro day, but thanks very much for your time today.
2: Well, well thank you very much for allowing me to be a part of uh, USCFootball.com, uh, and my dog also thanks you.
1: Too. <laughs> cool. Well, we thank we thank her, and uh, we thank you and everyone else. Real quick break. 30 seconds we'll be back with the usafootball.com staff roundtable stay tuned
0: meet us on the other side of the break for more of the peristyle podcast tickets 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 sc tickets is your concert sports and theater ticket source we have the tickets you need to any event worldwide football tickets are now available Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com, SC Tickets, Concerts, Sports, and Theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham.
1: Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. And as promised, we have the uscfootball.com staff roundtable. We, we are joined, we are not joined by Gerard Martinez, unfortunately, but we do have uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weike and our staff writer, Zach Lahato, both joining us. Guys, thanks for coming along. Thanks Thanks for having us.
4: Yeah, it's great. Um, I I do want to point out, though, that the table is a little less round with Gerard not sitting at it.
1: Well, you know, Gerard is a little less round himself. So I I think. No, he's melting. (laughs) He's kind of like. Yeah, he's doing a lot of yoga. He's like frosty in the uh, greenhouse there, but it's good. (laughs) It's good for Gerard. We can poke fun a little bit at him because he was supposed to be here uh, and unfortunately couldn't make it, but that's okay. Uh, We have a really interesting topic today two days of spring football. Are in the books. They had Saturday, the first practice, and then yesterday, Tuesday, was the second practice. And uh, we were having a little, uh, I guess we could tell people how this came about. We we're having a little get together at uh, La Barca, which is a great little Mexican restaurant near USC. And um, Zach came up with a, a really interesting idea. Zach, why don't you uh, let people know what it was?
3: Oh, basically, we're tracking everything that goes on in practice um, as far as the quarterbacks are concerned. Um, basically tracking each one of their throws. And so the, the, next, the next natural step there was just to be, you know, just come up with our own quarterback rating, just like they have in, you know, regular college football.
1: Yeah. So when Zach, you know, kind of plays with numbers and matrices and stuff in his regular job. And uh, so came up with a really interesting uh, formula and we kind of came up with what we needed to chart on the field to, to gather the correct data plug it into a, a spreadsheet, a database, and then spit out some numbers. So we did get some uh, interesting numbers. Uh, after the first practice, uh, Aaron Corp emerged as a winner, and we broke it down to um, every competitive situation uh, for 7-on-7 seven and 11-on-11s. Seven we don't go to the individual drills or when they do one-on-ones, things like that. It has to be a, a drill where there's a full you know full offense and full defense out there, or at least 7-on-7, seven seven. and that's kind of where the uh, the numbers came from. So. Yeah, Zach, so what what did you think of the numbers that you plugged in there so far?
3: You know, I I think it's really interesting just to see practice put in such a, I guess, tangible or quantitative way. It's interesting just to see the numbers shift and move, and I think that's going to be where it becomes really powerful is after, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine practices, all of a sudden we have, you know, we can have, you know, graphs and charts, we can have highs and lows. I think there's going to be a lot of valuable data that comes out of it, whether, you know, whether the, you know, the how should I put this, whether it's a completely quantifiable, you know, race for the quarterback, um, for the starting quarterback position. I, th- I think that at think this will provide one end of the spectrum and then obviously people have their own, you know, the intangibles.
1: And then Dan, you were charting. Uh, I mean, this is kind of where this came from too, Dan, you're charting every throw that the quarterbacks were making. Mm-hmm. Obviously the quarterbacks, uh, that's the biggest story of, of spring football. Looking at the numbers that popped out from the first two practices and, and what you charted and what you saw, do you think they kind of line up with how you felt the quarterbacks did? Oh, most certainly. I, I think especially after the
4: first practice, when you saw that Corp, w- Corp was ahead um, pretty solidly and you saw Barkley and Mustaine were both really close. I mean, that's kind of how I read it um, as from what I saw during the day. And, uh, you know, it was like <laughs> – Sorry, I'm having some microphone trouble. Uh, No, but yeah, I I saw it as as like, you know, Corp probably was the most consistent. barkley Mustang both did nice things, but they weren't as consistent and, uh, you know, as solid as Corp was. And then Garrett Green kind of was there and and was just, you know, Garrett Green, I guess. I mean, not to disparage his name or anything like that, but I think from a talent standpoint, he's not quite at the level as as those other three quarterbacks, And, and, you know, he was ahead of him. I mean, I'm sorry. He was way behind those 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 other guys because, like, you know, I the numbers the numbers made sense. Basically, I'm all flustered with this microphone. Yes,
1: yes. Just put
4: your (laughs) all flustered. It's it's totally taking me out of my rhythm.
1: (laughs) No problem. Okay, so uh, Garrett Green was in the race uh, on day one, and um, you know he was held out of he wasn't held out of practice, but he was not given the same kind of drill. You know, he wasn't in the quarterback drills uh you're given the team situations that didn't the other take a Yeah, so yeah, yeah did not take a, a rep. single rep in seven on seven or 11 on 11 so we kind of dropped his numbers we'll see if if he comes back and gets significant reps uh later on and practices later on this week then we can you know definitely add his numbers back in uh but i just want to kind of go over what the overall numbers were and we'll kind of talk about where those come from and stuff and i i think zach did a really good job i mean there's anyone that's going to look at this you can kind of nitpick the formula and say, oh, maybe you should do this, maybe you should do that, for the kind of data that you can gather by watching a practice on the sidelines. I think we got a lot of information in there, and then you kind of come up with a number from that. And it's not going to mimic what you know you see in an NCAA football game per se, because it's a lot different kind of situation. But to compare these you know, practice situations, I think these numbers are going to work out pretty well. But Aaron Corp, overall, his overall rating was a 137. Uh, he did a little bit better overall on 7 on 7s it was a 152 11 on 11s 128 and I uh, consistently I think that the numbers are better for 7 on 7s which makes sense because you're you're there's no pass rush there. There's really no likelihood of a sack occurring, stuff like that. I um, would hope not. Yeah. They, <laughs> they trip that's over. That's bad. If you get sacked on 7-on-7, seven seven, that's that's not good. Yeah, there, there's, <laughs> there's guys that kind of crowd behind the line of scrimmage, so you might trip over one of them or something. But uh, Matt Barkley actually came in second after two practices. He got a 122 overall, 117 on 11-11s, and 128, 7-on-7s. Seven and uh, Mitch Mustaine has a 107 overall. 97 and 11 on 11s and a 125 in the seven on sevens and uh zach maybe you want to kind of describe a little bit you know the the basics of what what's going into this formula
3: Well, wow, where do you we begin well it all starts from the actual ncaa um quarterback rating which is just a function of uh passes past completed yardage interceptions and um touchdowns now I think you can just go on. I mean, if you just want to Google that, or the fans out there want to Google that, they can see it. it's a pretty simple formula. Um, where we kind of change it a little bit is with the fact that we can't get exact yardages, and so we have three levels of passes, and then you know those are all given values as far as you know what sort of yardage that represents, and then we have also. What I guess makes it truly special and unique would be the fact that we grade out the level of competition that they are both playing with, as in on the offense, and the level of competition that they're playing against on the defense, and then assign um, adjustments like percentages to that, to those, uh, to those values. So that would be the uh, that would be the big difference. So like while the number still looks a lot like uh, NCAA quarterback rating, it's not exactly the same because it does not allow for quite as many points to be um, gathered just because the maximum that a quarterback could get would be around 600 and in the real NCAA it's right there near 1300 if that makes sense to you.
1: Yeah. So it's it's a lot different than the NFL rating where I think the max is like a 150 or something like that or mm-hmm. I, it's a little bit different. 158. 158. 158. Yeah. So the NCAA <laughs> you could like shoot it up real high.
4: Such a nerd Zach. I,
1: I, I, I never yeah.
4: had any idea. Like I thought you know I went along through all this time thinking you were such a normal guy.
1: I try to mask it in public. Yeah. He wore a tie (laughs) at practice yesterday and everything. It was, uh, you know, he's a good looking, good looking fellow, that Zach. Wow. Uh, So, so I think some of the differences are, and I think people are going to talk about this. If you throw a pass and when we chart these and, you know, basically uh, Zach and I were charting and, and Dan was charting separately from practice on Tuesday, we look out there If it's the majority of the starters on offense and or defense, that's a one. That's okay. Those are that's 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 the ones. If it's kind of a mix of, you know, a lot of second teamers, you put it as a two. And if there's a bunch of walk-ons that you never heard of before on the on the squad, or third team guys, or or third team third team guys, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, then we'll kind of do that as a three. And it's not it's not always. This is the first team. This is the second team. They mix up guys. I mean, sometimes you have. Uh, the starting offensive line and, and walk-on receivers. So you have to kind of make a mix of, of what it is. But uh, Zach had some interesting rules that came up today. If, uh, <laughs> if, uh, if, if if So one is the best. So one is like the starters. But say if there's a whole bunch of walk-on guys that you never heard of, but Taylor Mays is on the field, they can be no worse than a two. You can't rank it a three yes. just because Taylor the- Mays. It's
3: the Taylor Mays corollary.
1: Yeah, I like <laughs> the Taylor And that works on offense as well. If Damian Williams and, and Ronald Johnson are both in there or one of those guys are in there, same thing on offense. You can only have a two. Can't be a can't be a three if one of those guys are in there.
3: Yeah, and, you know, obviously it's pretty subjective. And I think that the best – I think it was smart to to err on the side of twos because the way that it works, I mean, I don't know if in the name of full disclosure we can just tell the world how this formula works. It's not too difficult. Patent pending. Penny. A little bit arbitrary, but basically if you're playing with the best team, you get a twenty percent reduction on your score if you're playing with the worst team i e the threes, you get a twenty percent bonus so uh, the middle ground there is obviously the the twos where there is no penalty and no bonus, so that's why we err on the side of labeling teams as second teams
1: and just to kind of explain that like if you're facing the first string defense and you complete the most difficult pass like a deep pass down the field to a receiver who's like a you know a walk on to Robbie
4: Boyer or something yeah like
1: someone like that you get a bonus because you're playing against a top defense and you get a bonus for playing with um you know skill position players that aren't as you know qualified as the Damian Williams and the Ronald Johnsons of the world so you get a little bonus in your number for that so you know, it, ones versus ones, it'll even out because you get a a bonus for playing against a tough defense, but you get a little reduction for playing with a great offense.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say that I think this is just a great idea. Like, I I love this idea. Um, it's so fun to talk about it, Zach. I know you're a big stack guy. I, I like stats. Um, I like new ways of trying to measure things. I think that's something that sports in general is shifting towards is doing a lot of stuff with, with numbers and stuff like that and trying to assign value to different things. But I think we can all agree, though, that there are certain things that aren't measured in in this formula that, you know, or, or stuff that we're still trying to figure out how to account for. Like, there was a pass at Tuesday's practice to Trayvon Patterson, uh, kind of a short little slant underneath, but it was so clearly the right decision to throw it to him because there was nobody within 20 yards of him, and he took it at full speed and he turned up the field and, and made a huge gain. Now, you know. And an NCAA and any other type of quarterback rating, that would be you would get the you would get the yards after catch and that right. rating. Right. Whereas for our purposes, that doesn't make as much sense because they're not they're not necessarily tackling and they're not you know what I mean. It, it's a little different to kind of get a sense for a true. Can I, yeah, you know you know can did, I
3: can I chime in here real quick? Yeah, yeah. You know that that yardage is really. Like, I think that pass that you're talking about specifically was charted as a two, which uh, is about the equivalent of 12 yards. And, you know, I think that in a lot of ways, you know, in some senses, it's going to cost, like in that situation, it cost, I think, um, Aaron Corp some yards. You know, maybe Trayvon Patterson goes for 20 yards instead of just 12 yards. But in other situations, you know, if he so clearly makes the right decision, but yet, you know, he gets you know would have been tackled for three yards in a you know real game situation you know, he still gets those 12 yards in ours so I think that it's got a nice balancing effect to it and obviously I think that another another thing that has to be taken into account here is that there's going to be a lot higher completion percentages because it is a practice I mean mm-hmm. I think that if we did this at a like you know at a higher level like at an NFL level you know there are like reports out there that, you know, NFL quarterbacks will complete 90% of their passes in their in their practice. So, you know, I, I think that the two balance each other out pretty nicely. And it, it's something that we can't even begin to account for just because we don't have game film. We don't have, you know, an ability to really to judge whether he would have been tackled or not Mm -hmm. because how do you even start judging breaking tackles and this that and the next thing
1: yeah i mean there's like pretty much if you've not been out to practice, especially when there's no pads on it's kind of an ole type of defense where every running play goes for a touchdown it's touch football yeah it's touch football is really what it looks like. so it's it's hard so we've kind of made the decision we're not going to really account for yards after the catch um i mean if you hit a wide open receiver and there's no one around him. And it's a short pass. I mean, we might be able to count that as a three or whatever, as a, as a longer pass, and, and give you the touchdown. But, I mean, basically, it, to be a touchdown pass, you kind of have to throw it almost into the end zone, or if the guy was clearly going to score a touchdown. And we'll give. There wasn't any touchdowns today, for example. I mean, uh, yesterday at wait, practice. So. Wait, yes, there was. Was there one? W- Will Harris took that ball. <laughs> there <out laughs> <kicked> <laughs> <joke>. was no.
4: <laughs> Stole my joke. There was
1: a couple of defensive touchdowns. but yeah. So I so I think just so people know, I mean, we we have to kind of approximate because you can't really get from what we're doing. But I think the numbers kind of work themselves out, and it's really to compare. You know, everyone's on the same playing field, so everyone, you know, you're trying to compare these numbers. These guys are getting the same opportunities. And the more practices you get, the more reps each quarterback will get, and the more sense the numbers will make. Like where Aaron Corp today got a lot of work with the threes. I mean, he really got a lot of work. He was kind of like the third guy in there, where Mitch Mustaine, uh, you know, on Tuesday took a lot of the first string reps. You know, that'll work itself out. So you don't always have to you know, the the quarterback won't always have to play with, you know, against the first string defense or stuff like that. The more reps you get, the more data we'll put into this and I think the, the more sense the numbers will start making.
4: And that's something that Pete Carroll said um, after Saturday's practice when he kind of talked about how he wanted to pick this pick the quarterback was that, you know, there there are no rush to, to do this. They're, they they want to take as much time as they can because they want to see these guys in as many like situations as possible. They they want to see how corp handles the threes versus how barkley handles the threes versus how Mustaine handles the threes like that's important to him and i think over time that's going to reflect too in our numbers as well yeah i mean that well it'll if i can up. chime in
3: here
1: go ahead doc yeah
3: i think one of the most powerful things will be um, you know in a couple of weeks we can really start seeing you know i'm just looking at in fact i'm looking at the database right now and i can just tell you today that you know aaron corp faced about an average of just over a second string defense or almost two and a half and was playing consistently with about a one and a half offense. If that makes any sense to people, it will at some point, but I mean it it shows you clearly that he was playing with better offense today and I could kind of explain some of his numbers. And so I think the, the numbers will start to, whether the coaching staff agrees with them or not, the numbers will start to show like what quarterbacks really playing with what offense, whether they, you know, is a, you know, a de jure, you know, uh, quarterback uh, rotation or, you know, just the de facto numbers that, that speak to wh- who they're playing with.
1: And we keep track, too, of who the passes are thrown to. Um, so, I mean, that's that's not really in the numbers per se, but I think if you start seeing trends, we can kind of come with that. And there'll be a lot of, the, the more numbers you get, the more interesting queries you can make on that mm-hmm. database, and we can pull out some interesting stuff where, you know, you, you might see one clear guy do really well, in certain situations and not as well in other situations and i think it'll be you know it'll all kind of contribute i guess to the to the overall level of interestingness if that's what we're into this whole experiment with any good spreadsheet i think
3: uh this will just keep on getting more and more complex and more and more in depth as we go along and you know obviously you know it's it's only two practices old at this point but i think it's something that that will, at the end, flesh itself out into something relatively complex and, and
1: really interesting for those fans that, that get into numbers. Yeah, so just to clarify, too, I think a couple of people emailed me questions about this. Yeah, we aren't going to include um, yards after the catch. It's basically every throw can be a one or two or a three. We're, we're counting ones pretty much as the check down dump offs, you know, behind or, or right near the line of scrimmage twos are kind of anything beyond that. Um, and then threes are kind of longer, 15 plus yard type of completions. And it's, it's mostly like kind of a degree of difficulty of the throw. If we see like a cross the field, you know, we saw one today where it was a really well-timed pass in a, in a tough throw that was kind of close to the line of scrimmage. We, we'd mark that more of a two than a one. So it's kind of like at our own discretion. We'll, you know, we'll try to keep that consistent throughout the entire process. And so it's more about degree of difficulty of the throw, what kind of offense they're playing with? What kind of defense you are playing against? And then what you know, obviously, what happens? It it doesn't help if you get a sack or a fumble or an interception. Of course, uh, incompletions aren't good, and then completions are good, and touchdowns are, are better.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean that that sounds perfect. I mean, it sounds like the best possible way for us to try to to put this into terms, other than saying this is what we saw, this is who looks good, because. Like I mean, like we were pointing out. I mean, it's practice. Like guys in general just look good. Like it's it's really hard to differentiate between, you know, a, a guy completing five passes and seven on seven and ten reps versus a guy who completes six. I mean, they look a lot alike, and and you know, it, and I like one of the things like you know, that comes out of practice was um, I, I was looking around at, at other people's kind of accounts of the first the first practice and Stephon Johnson's carry. Had like he had a great run in in the, in the first practice that got brought up a lot and people were talking about how it was the play of the day and stuff like that. Well, I mean it was against the third string defense with <laughs> yeah. I mean tons of walk ons on the field, and and that's not to say that it wouldn't have been a great run against the first string, but obviously it, it's different, you know. I mean if it's the first string offensive line blocking against you know the third string defensive line. There should be a, a pretty decided advantage, and I—that's one thing I like best about the system—is that it, it tries to account for that.
1: And we'll see some—you know—you're going to see some different numbers today. There was more turnovers than normal. Some of the running backs put the the ball on the ground, and I think—I don't know if it just carries over, but then they—you know—some there's interceptions started to get thrown. Uh, Mitch Mustaine threw a pick uh, at the end to Will Harris for a touchdown. Um, Drew McAllister picked off he, Matt Barkley. Picked off Matt Barkley had a really nice play. There was another player or two that could have been intercepted so there I mean it just seemed like today there was a lot of uh you know issue I'm sure they're going to come up in the meetings as well there's a lot of issues with the offense kind of taking care of the ball and, and there'll be other days where they're going to be in the red zone and and practicing red zone plays and there will be a lot of touchdowns thrown so the numbers for that day might be kind of skewed but I think overall it should kind of even itself out and you'll see I mean we're seeing you know interesting numbers that are in the range of what you'd see quarterback ratings for you know switch I think people get familiar with that they're used to seeing those numbers in that range if if we came out with numbers that was like he's got a rating of four I don't know if people could kind of relate to that but they're in the same Mm -hmm. kind of range even though they mean something different and so hopefully you know over the course of the four weeks of practice you'll see at the end that you know clearly you know what we would like to see is whoever gets whoever gets picked as the starter ends up being the number one ranked quarterback, according to our rating system. Well, let's
4: discuss some scenarios where that couldn't happen. I I mean, I think that's interesting. I mean, where a guy could be the most efficient quarterback in those seven on seven and 11 on 11 drills. But like, like, you know, there could, the second place guy could be the guy in the red zone who, you know, takes care of the ball, throws touchdowns or whatever. and, And then, you know, checks, checks down a lot when he's not in red zone drills and he doesn't get the same kind of weighting and then that guy's a star in the meetings and, and and he's doing that stuff. I mean, there are other obviously there are other factors that go into this decision than those sheer numbers, but I you know, I I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out.
3: There I mean there's yeah, I,
1: Oh, go ahead, Zach.
3: Well, as you said, I talked to Garrett Green about that very thing today cause Since he didn't, you know, he wasn't on the field, he seemed like a good guy to talk to. Um, and he said, you know, ultimately, it's like you can be the best teammate ever, but you know, if you're not producing on the field, you're not going to be the starting quarterback. So, I mean, I thought that right there was you know, given pretty good mm, backing, I guess is the word I'm looking for here, to our uh, like to this rating system and that. I I fully expect. You know what? I'm not going to put any money on it, but I would, if I was a betting man, and I am, um, <laughs> I would uh, I I would I would say that the the winner, that the person, I will guarantee it. I'll I'll do something. Whoa. Dan, you can come up with some sort of bet that the uh, the person that comes out on top at the end of spring ball will be the starting quarterback.
1: Wow, Zach's sticking behind his numbers. I mean, obviously, I'm a lo- sticking by my numbers. I'm a numbers guy. I do. I so. like it. I mean, there's intangibles, of course. I mean, Mitch Mustaine has the intangibles of he's started before. He's eight and zero as a starting quarterback, where Aaron Corp has not done that. So he has something that, in you know, in his past, that you're just not going to show up on the field. I mean, you would you would think maybe that would show up his experience and stuff like that. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out over. But there's intangibles there. We're not in the meetings. We don't, you know, we're not in the weight room. We don't see what's going on behind the scenes. We don't get to watch the, the film from all different angles because I think you know, even Pete Carroll told you today, Dan, that you know, he thought Aaron Corp didn't do all that well initially, and then he watched the film and he was more impressed by it. So if you go back and, and watch it again. What did the numbers say? No, the, the numbers are right.
3: Yeah, the numbers. Right. I know, the, number, the numbers backed it up. I mean, and I think ultimately you do all those things. You do all your intangibles. You do your weight room time. You bond with your teammates so that you can excel on the field.
4: But, I mean, there are scenarios that, let's say the numbers, you know, if two quarterbacks are separated by, you know, I don't want to say decibels, but by, you know, maybe five or six rating points or something like that, it wouldn't surprise me if they went with a lower-rated quarterback if that lower-rated quarterback had, you know, those certain intangibles. I think I can actually present
3: a scenario that that would would not produce the right results. It would be if it got so clearly defined that, that one quarterback was the one one quarterback was the two and one quarterback was the three. And then all of a sudden you have Matt Barkley shredding the third team defense or the second team defense, or that's just a a random scenario. You know, it could be any one of the quarterbacks, you know, just tearing those, those teams apart. But this, it was already set, you know, maybe five, six practices in just like we had, I think, I can't even remember, two years ago with uh, John David Booty and Mark Sanchez whenever they first, quote-unquote, battled each other. You know, it, it became evident who the, the quarterback was, and so that that would skew the data. But as long as each quarterback is sort of given the fair playing field across all three, as long as it's an open competition where you're getting one, twos, and three reps, I think the the stats will play out appropriately.
4: So you don't think that the fact that Mitch Mustaine has won games Prior as a starter, if him and Aaron Corp are statistically close, could could lead to the coaching staff if Corp's a little ahead of him. I mean, you wouldn't think that that could maybe tilt their decision. Certainly, that's
3: actually you know if you go back to the the spring preview, that was my uh, that was my argument.
4: For I don't Misman read what
3: Saint. you write. It was the I... <laughs> uh, it was the history. It was history knowledge and and hope. I think were the the ways oh. I broke it down. And that like history tells us that. Mitch Mustaine, if you just look at the way Pete Carroll's made his decisions in the past, Mitch Mustaine's the starting quarterback.
4: And he's our third ranked quarterback right now, I
1: believe. And he is our third ranked quarterback I right guarantee. now. Gary's only two, two days. I mean you could throw a couple bad passes and and, and he has. And he, and he has he did, he did. He uh he fumbled a snap. The fat the last two plays on Tuesday's practice was a fumbled snap and an interception. Big so six. I, didn't really uh, help the quarterback rating. But... Does that account for more, by the way, in our ratings? A pick six? Does that? No, we don't. It's it's just a pick. Pick is a pick. So, uh. Uh, but the the interesting thing here, if you look at this, and you know, all of us have been to you know dozens and dozens of these practices. Once you start charting every single play, you kind of realize that. I mean, when the, when the coaches say about you know every rep is sacred and stuff, and you're just like, ah, oh, there's so many reps, you kind of get bored watching them all. But once you chart them all, and you're like, wow, they each only got like four passes in this round. Like, there's, they really are. I mean, you you have to take every rep seriously because there's not that many, and you have a couple bad ones, they show up. In these ratings, I mean, a couple bad reps, and your your, your rating's going to tank like that just because there's not that many reps to, to bounce back I, from.
4: I don't think a single quarterback took more than five snaps in a row in either of these two practices, which is, I mean, you know, remarkable when you think about rhythm and stuff like that and all those things that they talk about. It really is. I mean, there's such a slim margin of error for these guys right now, and they can say all they want they're not thinking about it. And, and for, for the most part, they all have. They said that, you know, you know we're just focusing on it like it's any normal practice and stuff like that well i, I don't know i don't think that's true <laughs> i don't think it i don't think it could be i mean i think that they have to know that you know each throw that they make is a throw that could either be used the, in an argument for why that person should be the starting quarterback or it could be used in an argument for why that person shouldn't be and that's an enormous amount of pressure especially when you consider you know a guy like Mustaine who if Corporate Barkley were to win this job I mean, the chances of Mustaine coming back and starting, you know, at some other point in time outside of injury are slim to none, I would think. No, that's a good point. Zach?
1: No, I would totally agree with that. I yes. Made a fine point. <laughs> Woo! I got one. Zach's numbers. Yeah, uh, yeah no, it's uh, – I'm really excited about this. I think it's fun. And, I, you know, some people have – there's a couple comments on the message boards. They're like, wow, talk about being under a microscope. Um yeah, I mean, I, I think the players actually kind of like this this stuff. And when we we talk to them, and you know, I think Zach, you got a, some comments from Garrett Green today. But you know, when they're under a microscope is when all of their you know they're in a meeting room and they've watched the, every play from every angle, and the, the coaches are criticizing every little thing they do. I mean, that's under a microscope, and they're really you know, they can get on these guys about everything that's going on when you're, I mean, even when, you know, Pete Carroll said himself, when he's watching from the sidelines or when he's watching from the field, there's only so much you can see. So, you know, we're, we're gathering as much data as we can from what we're seeing in real time, chart it down, put it into a spreadsheet, just kind of give you a number just to, to discuss things. And I, I I think it's going to come out pretty good. I think the numbers, I think people are going to be kind of pleasantly surprised with what comes out at the end. And I bet you, you're right, Zach, we're going to see this correlate to kind of the where that the quarterbacks fall and uh, you know in the the rankings. There. All right,
4: let's put let's put your money where your mouth is here, both of you guys, because I have so little trust in either of you. So oh, great, what do you want,
1: <laughs> let's
4: name it. Dan Wokey? Wokey <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> name your bit.
4: <laughs> I think that um, if uh, your guys' numbers are correct, if the numbers are correct, okay, all the way through, I will. Um, I don't know.
3: Can we make this more user friendly to the uscfootball.com public? Yeah, what would you have like? Them, uh, have mean, them start a thread. Yeah, we'll, and we can we can nominate a, uh, a bear I think you guys are going to be right too. One I one. want odds though.
4: I like I do think that if you're right the my punishment should be less severe than if I, if I if Well, the you numbers you prove naturally get
3: odds. You
1: have the other two. Yeah, well, what, well let's, let's throw it out to the, the fans on the message board. That's a good idea. Way. Another good
4: idea from Zach. That's two, uh, two in, like, 72 hours. Yeah, it's pretty good. But Zach, this, I was thinking, actually, on the way over here, that this was probably your best idea since you decided to have that 12th Jack and Coke before the uh, <laughs> uh, USC Ohio State game. <laughs> <laughs> all good yeah, ideas. Jo- all good. Don't,
1: don't be jealous that I can en- enjoy my Saturdays and you can't. <laughs> I'm uh, well, I, I very jealous. But uh, yeah, I think when you talk about being under a microscope and stuff like that, um, we haven't, we, we do want to run this by, I think it'll be interesting down the road. We can run this by the coaches a little bit. Uh, definitely run it by the players. Zach started off today. You know, I think we'd like to get a little bit more data before we do that. You know, a few more practices under our belt here, get more data into the system. But Zach got some interesting comments from Gary Green just after the, you know, really after one day of collecting data, uh, what, what do you want to share with what uh, Garrett said about this?
3: Oh, I didn't tell him anything specific about the way it's collected. I just asked him what he, like, you know, if he thought there was any like value to to having data collected on the field, and he said absolutely. He said that's something that it kind of took me off guard or caught me off guard because you don't really expect this out of them. But he said that's something that he could see them talking about in quarterback meetings and getting competitive about. I was like, well, hey, <laughs> if that's uh, if that's the case, that would be. Uh, Shocking,
1: honestly. I'm wondering if uh, if any of the coaches or any, you know, I don't know. I haven't heard of, of Pete Carroll doing this. Maybe Jeremy Bates comes in and does something like a way to quantify, um, you know, just to put some numbers to, like, what the stats they see from practices. I don't know if anyone does that.
4: I don't know if they do it here. I know they do it at other places. Not, not so much with, with practice per se, but, like, with – I know I, I was listening a lot um, recently to the the Houston Rockets general manager talk, who's a huge numbers guy. I mean, like probably the first general manager in basketball who's just like a straight-up numbers guy. And they were trying to talk about new defensive statistics and, and the development of new numbers and how it helps with trade values, how it helps with deciding who the best people are to put on the court together. And I, I do think that there are things that, that it wouldn't surprise me if – there are elements of what we're looking at that the
1: USC coaches do that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me at all. It does seem like there's more trends where you try to put put more numbers and stuff like that. And in, in some sports, it really lends itself to do that. You know, like baseball. B- baseball, is I mean, I mean Moneyball
4: was like you know revolutionized all of this stuff. Sure. And
1: then other sports, I think they're working like you know, there's not as many statistical categories in basketball, but you know, you try to work that up. And you know, with what the plus minus when you're on the court and stuff like that, all that Defections kind collections of yeah.
4: and like new defensive statistics. Yeah. Most certainly
1: mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff like that, but I think it'll be good. Zach, nice job. Bravo to you. And, uh, hopefully the uh, fans out there like it, just go to uscfootball.com. Uh, check it out. We'll be posting the quarterback ratings, uh, usually the day after every practice. And we'll have kind of a little summary and an updated, uh, uh table there of what the ratings were for the last practice. And, Depending on when it was, we'll do the overall rating and probably for the last week stuff like that. And any kind of interesting statistical data that comes out of it, mm-hmm. we'll we'll try to focus on that for that for that specific report. Yeah, I, I like. Not, I think. I think that my be...
3: attention. Excuse me, Dan. Not that my attention hasn't focused squarely on you, but I think that there's going to be. I'm um, just kind of looking over the the spreadsheet right now. I think there's going to be a lot of value in seeing like a a offensive defensive value difference. I think that's going to be one of those those main things because. As far as success rates go, you know, if you are always having a more successful or more efficient offense, um, excuse me, more talented offense than defense, you're going to be better. And that is, in fact, as I look at it right now, why Aaron Corp is on top. So I can leave people with that parting thought. So he was... He is always playing with a better offense than put against
1: defense. That's very, very interesting. So you're always kind of ahead of the game.
4: All right. I, I just wanted to know who passes to Osbury the most, but... <laughs> like, 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 I think that'll be kind of neat to see, like, you know, which receivers, like, quarterbacks, never say that they have favorite receivers. Well, maybe you know, after you know, fifteen practices worth of numbers, that'll be different.
1: Yeah, we'll be able to see who checks down the most. I mean, what? The, the kind of the joke of Aaron Corp, they call it the Corp
4: check- down. Corp
3: down.
1: Uh, Dan, would you like to hear something funny? Yes.
3: Um, in fact, in the two practices, David Osbury has. Three receptions and four targets. One from Garrett Green, Aaron Corp. One from Matt Barkley, and one from Mitch Mustaine.
4: So he's everybody's favorite. Or, or
3: everybody and that. Or again, nobody's maybe favorite. Maybe sounds... our larger
1: point that everybody loves David Osbury. Isn't that the
3: point of uh, uscfootball.com? dot
4: <laughs>
1: That is that is definitely uh, the point there. So it's cool stuff. So we'll uh, we'll you know, check back on uscfootball.com. This is our uscfootball.com roundtable joined joined by Dan Wyke. Zach Lejato. Uh there was a couple of user questions. We'll try to get to one or two of those real quick if you guys have a second. Sure, I, uh, had, nothing, I had nothing better to do. Okay, so um, first question was, you know, Matt Barkley is the only uh, you know uh, true freshman that's on campus right now. He was assigned jersey number seven. There was some recruiting talk, and I think Zach, mm-hmm. you were talking about this where he might mm-hmm. give up his number for a recruit that would be coming in. Uh, they wanted to know. How do those jersey numbers get assigned? Would you like my
4: honest opinion? Yes, yes. Recruiting clout, I believe, is how it gets assigned. (laughs) Yeah, I mean I think guys get numbers, you know, they they try to they ask for a number if it's available, they get it. If not, they don't. I mean and, and depending on who the guy is and who the guy who has the number is I mean, I think that's pretty much how that stuff works itself out. And guys, ch- and guys change, you know. I mean, that's the other part too. The the number that you wear as a freshman might not be the number you wear as a, a senior. I know sometimes when I look back through old pictures, when I'm looking to put pictures in a story, I notice stuff like Taylor Mays, for instance, not wearing jersey number two.
1: Twenty nine, I think, when he first came in. Yeah,
4: and it looks so strange, you know what I mean, to see. Yeah. And now, I mean, we see Bryce Butler out there now wearing 19, which looks weird to me. Yeah. You know, and I I think that, you know, just over time as numbers become available, guys kinda of snatch up the ones they want. No, and I Zach, yeah, you're right.
3: I also think there's a, a an unfortunate situation where it becomes kind of like you know, if you're not bargaining for a signing bonus, which you can at the college level, obviously, you know, you start bargaining for whatever you can bargain for. And, you know, that's where the whole Orson Charles thing came into play and I honestly don't believe it was any factor at all in his recruitment. But you would hope not. That, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly don't think so, but you know, I mean, look at Darnell Bing. Darnell Bing's like, yeah, I want to, I want to commit to USC, but I want to wear number 20. So what do they do? They get Mike Garrett to, uh, to unretire his number. So. It,
1: it's interesting, know. and there's special numbers, Just so people, if you're not aware, uh, I mean, there's there's not like a you know a 54-man roster or whatever you have in the NFL and college. I mean, you have more than 100 kids on the sidelines, so there's not enough numbers, but. Everyone on offense, you can have an offensive player and a defensive player share the number. For the most part, they're the lower numbers that are shared, most of the higher numbers. you got numbers in the 60s and 70s. You're on the offensive line, and you're up in the 90s on the defensive line, stuff like that. And there's some some exceptions there. But, you know, for USC, there's numbers that are retired, which are Heisman Trophy winners. That's it. So, you know, a guy like a Ronnie Lott or something, there's not going to have his number retired. But a lot of the— I'm sorry. Can I
3: can relate this back to our uh, to our statistical or our QB rating?
1: Yes. Okay. Just
3: like we have the uh, Taylor Mays corollary, in that if he's ever on the field, it can't be uh, any lower than a number two. We also have the uh, the mid number corollary at the uh, wide receiver, and if there's ever a 40 lined up, split out 40 to 50, or excuse (laughs) me, 40 to 49, it cannot be any higher than
1: a two. (laughs) Okay. So Red Ellison out there cannot be a one.
3: Well, Red Ellison, if he's split out wide from, from the. He's from a the tight end. end. Well, okay, from the, yeah. He's a tight end. But, you know, if we got our, our walk ons, but they're fresh 46, 47s, 48s, and 43s. Not him the walk Dog, 43. But,
1: you know, if
3: there's 41 out there, it's probably going to be a two or a three.
1: <laughs> okay. And then, uh, you know, just to continue on the numbers a little bit. So there's some certain defensive numbers that are kind of special at USC. 55 is one of those at, at linebacker. And, you know, they try to save that. And. Um, you know, I think you're right, Zach. And for everyone I talk to, I mean the, the coaches haven't come out and said, here's our rules for that, but it's more of, you know, this guy's a highly touted recruit. They might promise him a number during the recruiting process, they might make a request. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the numbers available are like, well, that will be available after your freshman year. So like Dan said, they'll switch numbers, stuff like yeah. that. But usually the higher priority recruit will get, you know, the higher priority as far as the choice of numbers. And you know, they they try to work with the players. Uh, as much as possible. And there's been some, you know, numbers are silly. You might, you know, some people don't care about them, but, you know, you had a couple years ago where Whitney Lewis came in and really wanted number four. Brandon Hance, who was a transfer from Purdue, was wearing number four. And uh, either he <laughs> uh, gave it up voluntarily or, you know, they made him give up that number. And it was, it was, uh, you know, it, it caused some controversy there. So it definitely, I mean, it's an interesting question because it does. Come to play, I mean, players want to play in the number they're in, and there's all, obviously there's only so many numbers. So it's, it, you, there are some drama there sometimes, but for the most part it goes pretty clean. I know,
4: I know our mutual yeah.
1: friend Bruce Feldman will,
4: will like that I relate this story. Um, in his book Meat Market, talks about a player a running back in Mississippi, Robert Elliott, who, had, who had, uh, committed to, to play at Ole Miss, and then at the last minute switched his commitment to Mississippi State. And one of the reasons at his press conference was that he's got to rock the deuce. <laughs> that he wanted number two. So, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, it's important to people. Right. Well, you know, actually, something that I would actually be really interested in finding
3: out is like, where does the restriction come because there was no 55 last year? Now there's no 55 this year. And you know, it's like, is it the coaches saying no to a player wearing 55? Or is it that, you know, players like Malcolm Smith, et cetera, Chris Glippo, you know, have so much respect for that number that they want to earn it i think that would be a great question if i can have a uh,
1: if i can submit a question to uscfootball.com well we can we can ask guys why out you get there. off your
4: why don't you get off your chair and go ask i mean you're <laughs> not at practice put more put more work on my plate thank you yeah. appreciate it awesome glad you're on
1: the show great to have you <laughs> well, well we'll check that out zach that dan why don't you get on that um awesome I like how you don't
4: yell at Zach when he interrupts you. But if I interrupt, it's, <laughs> if you're playing favorites because you guys are number buddies, it's terrible. All right. We well, link up your TI-88 calculators together
1: to work on some oh, vortex. TI-83, man, please. Work yeah. on some parabolas, nerds. Sweet. All right, well, on that note, we're going to end the show for this week. I want to thank my uh, roundtable, Dan. Somewhat. I'll thank him a little bit. And Zach, thank you very much. <laughs> That's about for your right. wonderful ideas and contributions. Hopefully <laughs> Dan will follow in your footsteps someday. But everyone else, thank you very much. Hopefully uh, we explained that quarterback rating system um you know well for you. And if you have any questions or comments, as always, drop us an email podcast at USAFootball.com. You can even send your audio questions or try to Skype me. Ryan Abraham is my Skype name. You can leave me a voicemail there. I think we had some problems with the voicemail, but it should be working now. So if you want to leave a voicemail We will listen to your question and answer it on the air. Keep the cussing to a minimum. Yes, we don't want to have to bleep any voicemails. Uh, We do have limited technology here in the uh, luxurious (laughs) uscfootball.com studios. But thank you, Dan, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Zach, thank you so much for uh, coming on with us and uh, explaining the formula.
3: Anytime you need it.
1: Everyone else, thank you for listening in. We'll be back next week. See you then.